we will not be perpetuating, that's the word, right, uh, laziness. That's what I was going to say, but I, I didn't want to offend anybody. This is the year to work hard, to work smart, to be diligent, to be focused, uh, and uh, at the end of the year, I have no doubt that we will have winners in here. Uh, and, and before we start anything, you must see the end. And that is why we're doing this. Before you start your day, see how it's going to end and then start your day. Before you start your week, see how it's going to end and then start your week. Before you start your month, before you start your year, see how your year is going to end and then start the year. So I already know about this time next year where I'm going to be and what my life is going to look like. Now I'm getting started. And that is why everything we're going to do and teach is going to be deliberate and it's going to be in place in order to achieve the ultimate goal. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. There is no God like Jehovah. Blessed be your holy name. As we sit around your word this afternoon, I pray in the name of Jesus that the entrance of your word will bring life. It will transform somebody forever. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Our principal scripture for this series, the book of Revelation, please, if you may, Revelation 3 and verse 8. We are standing on Revelation 3 verse 8 in this year of plenty, hashtag 24 plenty. Revelation 3 and verse 8. Today I bring a message which I believe is going to set us up for rolling out 24 plenty as we begin to break down the theme for the year in a mini-series at the beginning of this year as we do every year. And so Revelation 3 and verse 8, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait for me. Okay, I'm going to wait for you, Reverend. Uh, Revelation 3 and verse 8. Revelation 3 verse 8. Thank you so much, Mr. Dairo. We appreciate you, sir. Uh, Revelation 3 verse 8, the Bible says, I know your works. I'm reading from the King James Version. So it says, I know thy works, but I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. Somebody just said, thank God for my open door. The Bible says that no man can shut. That means if they did not choose you, they cannot discard you. If they did not bless you, they cannot curse you. If they did not open this door for you, they cannot close it for you. The Bible says any, any man, no man out there will be able to shut this door that God is opening for you. For you have a little strength. God recognizes that you are not all that. That you don't have it all together. That sometimes you miss it. That sometimes you're not so perfect. But he says, listen, even though you're not all that, you have kept my word. And you have not denied my name. I'd like to believe that the fact that you're here listening to the word of God, you have not denied his word. You have not denied his name. And you are not ashamed to be called a child of God. Now, as we uh, open today by way of introduction, looking at how that God has set out this year to be a, a year of open doors. Now, every decision you make uh, is a prerequisite to you tapping into opportunity. In other words, uh, indecision is the enemy of opportunity. I'm already teaching. And so everything you're going to do this year, you're going to have to be deliberate. And you're going to have to be deliberate with your decisions. Because with every decision, you are setting yourself up for opportunity. At the same time, we have already learned that opportunity will embarrass you when it comes when you're not ready. 
when opportunity comes and you're not ready, it will embarrass you. Therefore, we are determined to, to say that because God is opening doors that no man can shut, it means that there will be multiple opportunities coming our way. Because of this, we got to be ready to tap into the opportunities. And that is why we're going to equip, 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 equip until we reach a point where any opportunity that knocks at your door, you're ready. Yes, sir. Count me in. God is calling out and he says, whom shall I send? And a voice goes out, send me, O Lord. Even though he realizes I am a man of unclean lips, and yet he was ready to go. In the same way, Revelation 3, 8 says, even though your strength is little, God is still opening doors for you that no man can shut. Now, there is a man today that I want to draw lessons from, uh, a man that you have probably heard about countless number of times, but becomes really important in, in rolling out 24 plenty right now. And so we're going to uh, go to him and look at him in a moment. But before we do, I want us to uh, look at somebody else close to, uh, to, to this man in the way the scriptures are aligned. By the way, the way that they are... The scriptures are put in there. It's not exactly how they were originally written, but I'll leave you alone. Uh, but uh, if we can go to Second Chronicles, please. Second Chronicles. And we're going to very briefly touch on uh, uh, King Solomon before we actually take the lessons that we want to take today from the man that we want to take lessons from today. Because I'm calling today's message uh, Capacity uh, Lessons from Jabez. Capacity Lessons from Jabez. While I was preparing the word today, one word kept popping up, popping up. Every time, every sentence, every phrase, and that's the word capacity. 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 24 plenty. And God keeps saying capacity. If you are going to get anywhere this year, God is emphasizing this word right here. First Sunday of the year, capacity. 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 But Second Chronicles, Chronicles, chapter number one. Second Chronicles, chapter number one. And I, I'm going to read, uh, let's see. I could just read uh, verse nine and, and, and ten or so, but... Uh, Maybe I'll read it in context by looking at it uh, from verse uh, 7. Uh, Second Chronicles 1 and verse 7. Second Chronicles 1 and verse 7. The Bible says, In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said unto God. Now imagine God shows up at your house, in your kitchen, bedroom, wherever you hang out. And he says to you, Jacinta, he said, Jacinta in this church, what shall I give you this year? This is the year of 20, 24, plenty. What do you want? I wonder what you would ask for. In fact, just ask yourself without saying out loud, what would you ask God? Because at the end of this message, I'm going to be asking you that question. In the year 24, plenty, what are you believing God for? And so Solomon finds himself in a very unique situation. I'd love to be in this situation. I know without a doubt that I would have messed it up. I would have asked for some stuff that God would have dropped his jaw and got my son, my son, my son. But, but here is Solomon with a blank check. What do you want? And look at this response. The Bible says, but Solomon said unto God, you have showed great mercy unto my father David. And you have made me to reign in his place. I'm kind of uh, paraphrasing the King James because he says in his stead. Now, O Lord, let your promise to David, my father, be established. 
For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and the multitude. In other words, you have given me an opportunity. You have opened a door for me. Then he says, give me now wisdom and knowledge. So I keep saying, I'm doing a podcast on Wednesday. I'm sending out knowledge. I'm sending out wisdom. Christians be like, no, unless you're talking about prayer and deliverance. But, but here is Solomon asking for the podcast. He says, give me knowledge and wisdom that I may go out and come before these people. For who can judge these, your people that you've given me? They are so great. Now look at God's response. And God said to Solomon, because this was your heart, in your heart, you have not asked me. Now look at this. When I say 24 plenty, what comes to your mind? Wealth, riches, Lamborghinis, mansions. You can't even sit properly in a Lamborghini. You drive like this. You won't even like it. Maybe you should ask for something bigger. Anyway, but, but, but literally, you, this is what comes to somebody's mind immediately. Oh, at Grace Church, they're just talking about money. No, no, you're missing the point. This is why I want us to start from this point today. Listen to Solomon's heart. Solomon, do you think for Solomon to be a great king, he would have needed money to run his country? Probably. Do you think he, was, he would have needed clothes to wear as king? It wasn't, uh, what's that king in the children's storybooks called? The emperor something? No, that wasn't Solomon. Now, bring back your mind. Stop thinking about the emperor if you know who the emperor is, okay? Because he's not wearing anything. So leave him alone. But, but, but here is God saying, listen, you could have asked me for anything, but because you have not asked, look at God's list. You have not asked for riches. Because he knows this is what a normal human being would be asking for. You haven't asked for riches, number one. Number two, you haven't asked for wealth. You have not even asked for honor. No life, for, uh, no the life of your enemies. You haven't even asked me to. I've, I've seen some pastors preach messages like, right now, come on everybody, stand up. Think of your enemy. We are going to send arrows to them. I'm like, oh wow, gee. God says you haven't even asked for the annihilation of your enemies, even though you have some. Neither have you asked for long life, even though everybody wants some, a long life, and a healthy long life. You have asked rather for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you. Now listen to what God says. Wisdom and knowledge I will surely give you. But not only will I give you wisdom, oh, I wish somebody would catch this. I, I want to set your heart and your mind and your capacity and your thinking to be in a place where when you think 24 plenty, you're not just thinking about God and bling. You're, you're thinking of your capacity. Today's lesson is all about capacity. What Solomon asked for was the capacity to handle his opportunity. Give me capacity, your oh God. And in this capacity comes wealth and riches. Oh my God. The capacity that God is giving you comes loaded. This is the same capacity Jesus talked about when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything shall be added unto you. Solomon gets the same answer. He says, Because you have sought first the important things. I will give you wisdom, but notice what else I will give you. I will also give you riches and wealth. I will give you honor, and such as no other king has ever had, and no other king after you. 
the Lord is getting ready to shift somebody in here. Now I know by, by the end of 24 plenty, not everybody is going to get to the finish line. But there is a remnant whom God has set aside who's going to hear this word. And they're going to say, this is my word. This is my year. This is my year of plenty. And I'm going all the way to the top. And for you guys, I will see you at the top. And very quickly, let's go on to the gentleman that I want to draw lessons from. He's not far from where you are. Just flip a little bit backwards uh, to First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter number 4. And uh, I'm going to read verse 9 to 10 because that's all there is about this man. Even though there is so much to learn from this man. There's, there are only two verses about him. Anybody ever heard of a man called Jabez? How do you say it in England? Jabez? Is it still Jabez? You say it the American way? Okay. Jabez? Where I come from is Jabezi. <laughs> Jabez. Uh, you may have heard of him. Uh, I've, I've read about him. But today we're going to glean lessons from you because it's very important to set the, the atmosphere for 24 plenty and where we're going. Now, 1 Chronicles chapter number 4 and verse, I believe I'm reading 9 and 10. I'm reading 9 and 10. The Bible says, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. There is that word honor again that Solomon received from God. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him with sorrow. Now, you all know that the name Jabez, because the Bible says what the name means, it means sorrow. In the actual original meaning of the word Jabez, it actually means he who causes sorrow. And so imagine being born <laughs> with such a name. Imagine going to school. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in um, Wakanda. And over there, uh, parents call their names sometimes after situations. They are called situational names. And... Uh, Situational names are as a result of what the family may be going through at the time. Do I, I got any witnesses in the house? Anybody ever heard of a person called Mavuto? Uh, Mavuto, some people have heard of that name, means trouble, problems. So the family would have been going through stuff. And this baby is born, they call the child the stuff they were going through. Now, obviously, the, 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 name, uh, the naming situation and naming has advanced these days. Now we have uh, kids called uh, Cellular. You know, there are some kids called Network. Uh, there's one child called uh, Samsung. So you, have, you got all sorts of names now going on out there. But some of you are like, what? Yes, these are real names. Um, and literally, this is the same thing that was going on with Jabez. So his mom... It's going through a difficult time. Now, in those days, uh, it would be uh, customary for the father to name his children. So in the first place, you see that it is the mom who is naming him, and you immediately question, where is dad? And so Jabez would have been born in a situation where he was probably only raised by his mother, a single mother who, who didn't even have the father to name him. So she, the, the honors fell on her to actually name him. And so she calls him based on what she was dealing with and what she was going through. Now, if you look at how the, the tradition was, every name that people were given, this name did two things. It not only did it show their history, but it was also prophetic. In other words, it predicted 
predestined them for what they would become. When you were given a name in their culture, it said what your life was going to be. We know of a man called Methuselah who lived the longest, longer than any other man. And when God said, you shall call him Methuselah, because at the end of his life, I will judge the world, his name was tied to his destiny, which was that at the end of his life, God would judge the world. And true to God's word and his name, nothing happened until Methuselah died. Then God judged the world. Then we have the flood. But I'll leave that for another day. Jacob. Jacob's name meant supplanter. Deceiver, uh, a fixer, that's right, a grifter, you know, con man, or whatever you want to put in there. And so, it, no matter how much he tried to do something, the name kept coming back and biting him back because your name was so important and it was tied to who you became or whom you became, whichever is correct grammar, those of you that are breeding at English. But it was tied to that. And so, even though God had already determined that he would receive the blessing of his brother Esau. He still gets it through conniving means. So even though the Bible had already said that the younger would save the older, or the older would save the younger rather, so Jacob was already destined to be Israel. But because of his name, which messed up with his character, he still does it deceivingly. The thing follows him all the way to Laban's house. He's, he's his own father-in-law, switches wives on him. The deception thing keeps following him all the way to the time when, 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 when uh, Rebecca, his wife, dies because of deception, because of the idols. That's another class. But until God encounters, Jacob encounters God and changes his name from deceiver to Israel, his life is plagued by the meaning of his name. So parents or guardians, be careful what you call your children. Oh, it was my grandfather's name. If the name meant something terrible, don't give it. I don't care how much you loved your grandfather. Because you are disadvantaging that child. Now look at what happens here in verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Oh, my God, that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand of blessing would be with me, that you would keep me from evil. Four things he prayed for. Now, I want to give you a little background to what is going on here because this is going to be true for somebody this year. Uh, here in the book of Chronicles, you find that from First Chronicles all the way to Second Chronicles, what's happening uh, at the very beginning here, in fact, is, is a genealogy. If you read Matthew chapter 1 uh, and the uh, first part of Lucas, well, you find the genealogy where it just says, uh, uh, and, uh, and Jankinta begot... Uh, so Soliso and, uh, and So Soliso begat Nanalito, and, uh, and it is going on like that. I don't want to do the Bible names, they're so hard. So, so as, I, I, and, and then in the midst of the genealogy, notice if you go and read, in fact, if you go back to First Chronicles, I've closed my Bible, if you go back to First Chronicles, uh, chapter number four, and uh, you begin to read, it's all about, let me do it, let's read it. It's all about the Chronicles. Look at this, it's very important. Look at this. Uh, the sons of Judah. 
Perez, Hezron, and, and Keman, and Har, and Shaw, and Ramiah, the son of Shabbat. That's all there is going on. That's verse 2 now. Let's, let me skip to verse 4. And Paniel, the father of Gidor, and Ezar, the father of Ashar. These are the sons of Ahar, the firstborn of the Ephratah. And the father, and, and I can carry on. I'm just going to skip to verse 8. Uh, and cause began Enab and, and uh, Zobedar and, and the families of Ezra. And then, look at verse 9. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And then after he finishes verse 10, let me read you verse 11. And Shelab, the brother of Shabbat, begat Methah, which was the father of Eshom and Eshton. You see what's going on here. The whole point of this passage was a genealogy. They were writing down a family tree. Jabez has no business showing up here. And this is why I wanted to show this because this is important. Right now in your life, you have no business prospering this year. But God is fixing to set you aside in the midst of a genealogy where they are not expecting you to, oh my God. Where they have written you off. Where they have maligned you and sidelined you and overlooked you for years. God is fixing in the midst of nowhere. In the midst of nowhere, from nowhere, they'll be like, what happened to her? From nowhere, they'll be like, what happened to him? Where did she come from? My goodness me. Because this is your year of plenty. A year when God has opened doors for you that no man can shut. In the midst of the genealogy, from nowhere. And David was more honorable than his brothers. I'm talking about Jabez, just putting my name in there. That's how I read my Bible. I put my name in there. Now notice what happens with Jabez. Jabez begins to uh, talk to God. He, he recognizes his beginnings. He recognizes where he's coming from. He recognizes the disadvantage of his roots. It was Bill Gates, I believe, who said that uh, to be born poor is not a choice. But to stay poor is your choice. And so how you are born, you have no control over. What name your parents give you, you have no control over. Which country you're born in, you have no control over. Whether you are born in a crazy family, a broke family, a demonized family, a spiritual family, an anointed family, you have no control. But what becomes of you in this year of plenty is on you, child of God. The Bible says that you have the power to decree a thing and declare a thing. And it shall be established. So Jabez realizes that he has no control over how he was born. But he refuses the destiny that was set before him. And he makes a decision. I know that there is a God in Israel. There is a God who is not only able to take my life as it is, but he's able to yank me out of the path that I'm headed to and set me on another path. And so his faith kicks in and he begins to say that you would bless me. So the first thing you're going to understand this year or in the year of plenty is that you have the blessing. Somebody just said to your neighbor, I've already got it. I've already got it. Listen, you already have the blessing. How do I know? Because Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Because it is written, cursed is everybody who hangs on a tree. I'm in, I'm in Galatians 3 verse 13. And in verse 14 it says, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon. And as far as I know... I am redeemed, I am saved, I'm a child of God, I'm a partaker of the blessing of Abraham. So I already know that I've got it. 
then he says, listen, I, I know that on my own I cannot do this. And so I need your favor. I need your hand. And God says, listen, when you pray that your hand would be with me, I submit to you that this year, Grace Church, I have opened doors for you that no man can shut. And I myself have promised to never leave you. Listen, I'm going to hold your hand this year. I'm going to hold your hand all the way to the end of the year. And come rain, come sunshine. Your last word shall be victory because my hand of blessing is on you. This has been promised already. You ain't got to ask for it. I've already released it. See, the difference between Jabez and you is that Jabez was asking, but we are standing in a better place because we have already been given it. Oh, and all we got to do is take hold of it and possess what is ours. Look at the next part before the hand. He says, enlarge. And this is the Rema word today. The Rema word for you today is this one. But be of the prayer. Enlarge my coast. Enlarge my territory. For a long time, I used to think enlarging the capacity territory was God giving you the more money, the, the Lamborghinis. No, 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 no. And then it hit me. When God says you are to enlarge your territory, he's talking about enlarging your capacity. Your capacity to increase, your capacity to flow, your capacity to create wealth, your capacity to preach better. Your, oh, it's 